It's a new day. Yes, it is. Wakey, wakey. Time to get up. Good morning, citizens. Open at them. Rise and shine. This is your wake-up call, people. Come on, the coffee's on. We're going to get you guys circulating on Christian radio. I understand young people. I know what's hip. I know what's on. I know what's lit. I know what's fleet. What's up, my nerds? Nerds! I work with a bunch of nerds. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Rise and shine, nerds. Welcome to the Back Row Morning Show, a part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network and the official exclusive morning show for LT and Radio. I'm Radio Matt, the station manager and chief radio nerd. I'm a husband, a father of two, with a third coming any day now, a Green Lantern fan, and a Funko Pop collector. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about the 19 worst DC Comics movies of all time. Also on the show today... Uh, what, what's the heck, what the heck, what the heck is going on here? But first, today is Monday, July 26th, 2021, and we are going to forgo all the extras. Uh, it's going to be a low-key week. I am here in the studio by myself. Uh, not because of anything Mo did. You know, she's not in timeout. She's not in trouble. Uh, we just weren't sure we were going to have shows of any kind this week. And uh, here's why. Uh, I am currently waiting on my wife to pop out our third kid. Uh, by the time you hear this, let's see, this will be Monday. I'm recording this the Thursday before you hear it. So it's it's July 22nd for me. My wife's due date is July 23rd. My first kid was almost two weeks early. My second boy was one week late. So we were really hoping we'd be hitting that due date right on the dot. So who knows? All I know is that right now, it ain't happened yet. And uh, my wife is done. My wife is ready for this to be over quick and uh let's just move on with our life (laughs) uh so funny story we were playing on tuesday night we were playing among us the normal uh, ltn radio on twitch tuesday night among us night and we were about a half hour into our normal two-hour adventure And uh, I get a message from my wife with a screenshot. There's a little app that she has on her phone that allows her to track her contractions. So she hits a button whenever she feels them start and stop. And, you know, it averages it out over a period of time. And she had been doing this for about half an hour. And she's averaging contractions at about eight minutes. Some of them as short as four minutes. And a couple of them higher. A couple of them are like 11 minutes. Anyway, she's averaging about eight minutes. The rule of thumb is once you hit five to seven minutes for an hour, that's when you need to go to the hospital. So uh, time continued to go on. It it had almost been an hour. She'd be at about eight minutes. She's all right, I'm going to try and get this thing moving. So she messages me and says that she's going to go walk the block. Uh, you know, try and stimulate body movement, get things going. So her and our two boys went and walked the block while we were still streaming. I told everybody, hey, you know what? After this game, I might be out of here. And uh, by the time she was back from walking, all the contractions had stopped. And so, I mean, that was the most active 
her labor had been. And uh, then it suddenly went away. And so since then, she's had some sporadic contractions, but none, none like that 45-minute stretch that she had had on Tuesday night. And so it's two days later now, almost to the exact moment, and uh, we're still waiting. Uh, there have been two bodily things that I won't go into that have happened that sh- say, you know, labor's on the way. So where is it? <laughs> the uh, the key needle to thread would have been, let's go on a Monday, because Monday through roughly Thursday, I can I can survive without being at work or getting things done. You know, I can cram all the rest of that stuff into the weekend. Uh, the at the rate we're going, it looks like she might be doing this over the weekend. And so we had planned to not do shows as of, as of Wednesday morning, I had told Mo, Hey, we're going to take this week off just because I'm expecting to be in the hospital. Uh, and she had some, uh, some family in town, which I'm sure she'll share, uh, next time we're together, uh, some stories of, and I'm like, all right, let's just take this, this next week off. I'll do some reruns or something. And, uh, I expected to be in the hospital yesterday, Wednesday. Last Wednesday, and uh, since that didn't happen, here here I am on a Thursday, still not in the hospital with my wife. So I am putting together a couple very low key, relatively short episodes of the Backroom Morning Show for you, uh, mainly focused on the main topic. Now I had a lot of fun putting these main topics together, and I hope you enjoy them. Um, but today we're going to be talking about the 19 worst DC Comics movies ever that is coming up a little bit later in our main segment i'm gonna have some weird news for you when we get back stick around enjoy some music and we'll be back just a bit hey everyone i'm hector mirai and this is faith and fandom 180 on ltn radio You ever notice how gangster our culture has become in terms of spoilers? I remember the first time I ever heard a definitive statement of how quickly you can spoil a movie was outside the theater of The Force Awakens. People were in line for like maybe the second showing of the movie and literally somebody walks out into the parking lot and yells really loudly they killed on solo and like just screamed it and like this one dude literally started screaming you have to wait two weeks and just started yelling and like i was like oh oh okay that's that's the number and then now that we've entered into this digital era of streaming where we're saying how how quickly can you talk about what you just saw on TV? And according to like Disney Plus and HBO Max and oftentimes BBC, like you've got three days tops before it's spoiled and all bets are off. And it's something where we have basically created a rule to protect people that can't hear about things as quickly as others. In Acts chapter 4, we basically see a spoiler ban on the gospel 
in her terms to Peter and John. They had performed a miracle. God's name was getting glorified. And people were freaking out about the fact of how quickly this message was spreading. In Acts 4.17, it says, But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Verse 18 says, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Then if you jump down to verse 20, it says, As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Y'all, it's that's kind of what we sound like when we see something cool and we want to tell everybody else. And you know what? There are times to be respectful and not to speak up, you know, maybe about the Mandalorian or Loki, but that doesn't apply to the gospel in our lives. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt, and we've changed some things up for this new season, including what we record live on Twitch. Most weeks, we record our shows the Friday or Saturday before with our friends on Twitch. So follow us on twitch.tv slash LTN on air to be notified when we go live and join our Discord at backrowdiscord.com for after show discussion and even opportunities to be on the show yourself. Now, uh, as I said in the previous segment today, this whole week really will be kind of low-key shows. First couple segments are going to be relatively short, and it's just me on the microphone today. Mo should be back with us next week, uh, assuming all of our timing goes well. But uh, I do have a, <laughs> a nice, a nice weird story for you to start off this week with. Oh boy, uh, who who's familiar with the California pastor Dan? Bergogne, I believe is how you pronounce his name, Dan Bergogne. Uh, in a recent sermon, uh, <laughs> a clip from his sermon landed on a Twitter account called Christian Nightmares for reasons that become evident about five seconds into the clip as it becomes clear that, yes, that is actually a plate piled high with dog poop on a table next to him. The preacher was making a point about how God sees sin on a person's soul after pointing out that the Bible often compares the concept of sin to things like dirt, filth, and even feces. Now, did, did he need to rub his hands on the pile of dog poop in order to make this point? No, he did not. But, uh... He did anyway. No, this is not a brownie, says Bergonier about the platter of brown stuff next to him uh, to nervous laughter from the congregation. This is not a Snickers bar. I own two bull mastiffs in my life. This is Great Dane. Bergonier quotes Psalm 141.2 about lifting one's hands up to God, but says that your sin is hidden my face. So, uh, face from you so that I will not hear. He seems to be making the point about that lifting one's hands up to God while being a sinner, such as by worshiping other gods at the same time, or just refusing to acknowledge, uh, the sin in your own life is like showing him your hands are covered in dog poop. Uh, so for reasons beyond comprehension, 
the pastor plops both of his hands right down into the pile of great Dane poop and rubs him around to the horror of other people in the room. If you uh, find this clip, you can hear <laughs> the reactions, including uh, someone shouting, hey, twice, as though he thinks maybe somehow the pastor didn't realize what he was doing. Regardless, the pastor goes on to grope the poop a few times as if just squeezing it through his fingers before lifting his hands to show everyone how covered they were with feces. He says, and you, and you know what you say? Oh God, create in me a clean heart and renew me a right in me a right spirit and cast me not from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And you got chunks coming off your thumb, says Bergogne with chunks coming off his thumb. And God is saying, what do you want? Do you want me or do you want you? Oh. It seems like the point uh, of God doesn't want you to sin because he thinks it's gross could have been made without putting any hands in any poop. Of course, it's uh, too late for that now because he already did it. I mean, <laughs> I, he, 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 he compared it to dirt, too. You could have just gotten some mud. You couldn't have faked this. Like, this was the point you needed to make. This is how you needed to make it. Oh, don't go watch the clip because it's, it's gross. It's gross, guys. We're going to take one more quick break. When we come back, the main segment of our show today, the 19 worst DC Comics movies. Stick around. I'm Danessa McPherson, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. Today I am reviewing Animal Living Deck Bible Verse Game, created by Josh Patton, Josh and Teresa Wegner, and their creative team at Animal Games. Animal is a 3-in-1 Bible Verse-themed living card game, where you hide the verses in your heart and defeat the sinnings. Although Animo has been compared to other card games, it is completely different and stands out on its own. Not only are all the characters and art one of a kind, each card features a different Bible verse. With Animo, you start off with a Series 1 starter deck to get acquainted with the game. There are also the Hopeful Hearts and More Than Conquerors expansion decks. If you feel like playing a solo game with one of these or any Animo expansions, they also have the Search My Heart solo campaign. Next is the Series 2 Cross Trainers. The expansion decks for Cross Trainers is the Stagnetic deck, which has an emphasis on faith and love, and the Draylight deck with an emphasis on the Holy Spirit and hope. Finally is the upcoming Red Letter Day expansion coming to Kickstarter at the end of August. To check out what is going on with Animo and sign up for notifications for the Kickstarter, please visit their website at animocards.com on Facebook at Animo Card Game Insiders, Instagram at Animo Cards, and Twitter at Animo Games. This game has Bible verses, strategy, and deck building opportunities. A monthly bonus that Animo Cards has is called the Bible Verse Challenge. With it, you memorize the scripture for that month's card, make a video of you saying the verse with either the card or coloring page in your hand, and Animo sends you 
a free hollow card of that verse to add to your deck. I give Animo Cards a solid 10 out of 10 for having an amazing faith-filled game that spans the different ages and a great team who is always there to be super supportive and always willing to answer questions. I am excitedly counting down the days to the Red Letter Day Kickstarter at the end of August and I hope you are too. I'm Danessa McPherson reminding you to guard your heart and think only on things that are lovely. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And uh, hey, are you following us on all the socials? Because we're on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Just search for at the Back Row LTN and connect with us. Pretty much, uh, well, you know, all the good places. Uh, well, good's a relative topic. Anyway, we've got a main topic for you today that I have been researching. In fact, all this week's topics I've been researching just for you, just for today. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. It is time to rank the 19 worst DC Comics movies, according to me. And uh, there might be some light spoilers. I'm going to try and keep it as spoiler free as possible, just in case you want to watch these uh, without without uh, having them ruined for you in advance. Don't worry, they're going to ruin themselves. Uh, but, you know, still, I'm going to try and be nice. So. Let's start with number 19, uh, which this would be the least worse of the worst. We're going to get progressively worse as we go, just to be clear in the rules here today. Number 19, Batman versus Superman, the ultimate edition. Now, this movie is going to get its own spotlight separate from the normal edition, the original theatrical release of Batman vs. Superman, because if you watch the ultimate edition, it is essentially, fundamentally, a completely different movie. It changes the narrative and tone. It changes how we view the character of Superman in the, the scope of the DC Extended Universe. I mean, it's... It's still not a great movie, <laughs> and it's three freaking hours long, which was one of the reasons why it got chopped to bits by Warner Brothers for the theatrical release, but it is a gigantic improvement over the original, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But if you're going to watch a version, this is the version to watch. Number 18... 2019's Joker movie. Look, uh, I'm probably going to get some pushback from this, from having it on the list of the worst DC movies. Look, I, I get it. And I watched it. And I didn't hate it. But <laughs> the movie is so, so dark and so unredeeming. And I, I get that that's what this is supposed to be. I get this is supposed to be how the Joker kind of became a villain in this, you know, this version of the Joker. But <sighs> movies, even movies that revolve around villains tend to have some sort of hopeful bent to them. And this, this makes you, <sighs> this makes you feel bad. To know 
that the stuff that happens in this movie it's actually kind of happening in society like comic books are supposed to be fantastical and they're supposed to be uh, slightly outpacing our normal world and this brought it to uh, a too realistic level this brought it to a level that just made us realize oh yeah we can't even have fun in movies to escape the uh, garbage that's going on on our planet right now uh, was it I mean it was well it was well written it was it was great it just it's a soulless meaningless experience it's just it's just reveling in humanity's darkest parts and I don't know I don't I, I feel like at the end of a movie you should go out feeling better for the experience and I felt worse for the experience I felt I felt like a worse human being having watched the Joker and that's nothing against Joaquin Phoenix Phoenix who did a, a, a phenomenal job in the role I mean it's <laughs> the movies well done it's just the uh, the the overall experience not on the high end for me number 17 v for vendetta another one i'm probably going to get a little bit of pushback on uh you know it's it's it was very well made it's very watchable i just it it doesn't make you feel much <laughs> there's no there's not a whole lot of uh, uh, uh emotional turmoil it puts you through good or bad it just kind of exists you can try and talk me out of it i just i can't <laughs> number 16 is 1989's batman movie oh, i'm just not gonna make a lot of friends with this list look it <laughs> it was the first real like dark batman movie tim burton of course brought his usual tim burtonness to it it's just <laughs> it's not a great story <laughs> it's not really that good it kind of messes up the whole joker batman canon uh i mean look jack jack nicholson of course was was pretty iconic in that first real big motion major motion picture version of the joker um <laughs> michael keaton as batman was uh an unlikely choice then still feels like an unlikely choice now but he did an okay job it, this was more this was more about the script to me than anything else uh but it did kind of set the tone for batman movies so i mean there's there's a lot to love about the movie uh even just the nostalgia of it sure and that's why it's high on the list of the worst and not low on the list of the worst but uh still made the list in my opinion number 15 is uh one that i don't want to put on the list because i loved this movie but I have to be honest and acknowledge the problems with it. And that is Green Lantern. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jeff Johns era Green Lantern, which this this movie was based on. Uh, I have every single every single comic book from that roughly 10 year run 
where Jeff Johns was in charge of the Green Lantern story. It had the amazing Sinestro Corps war in it. It had the rise of all the different colored Spectrum Lanterns. We saw the fantastic, I mean, just maybe one of the best DC Universe crossover events ever with Blackest Night. Where they, it's, oh, it, this is, it's the DC Universe's zombie apocalypse. It was fantastic. Uh, Brightest Day, not as great, but still a cool concept, something new that had not been done. Uh, War of the Green Lanterns, I mean, the whole thing. It was a beautiful, beautiful masterpiece. He even gave us an ending. He did something at the end of that run that no other comic book, you know, normal series like not limited run series no other main title had done he gave us an ending to the green lantern story now of course it's all been thrown out the window with the next writer that took the helm and you know just rearranged everything to keep the story going and i expect that but i can feel okay not purchasing any more green lantern comics because i have a book that's called the end that shows us how everything ends in the jeff johns version um but all my love for that comic series aside the green lantern movie was trying to do too much uh too quickly the the story it was trying to tell was both how uh how Jordan became Green Lantern and the beginning of the whole Sinestro uh, parallax story. Both of those are two completely separate events separated by a lot, a lot of story, including Hal Jordan being infected by parallax and turning evil and then dying and then becoming the spectra specter and then coming back to life i mean it's it's there's a there's a whole lot that they had to try and cram together and it was too much it was too much for them to do i mean the opening credits or not a credits but the opening scene was a you know a narration that seemed to take five to ten solid minutes of uh you know, trying to explain the backstory. And even then it was going so quickly that it didn't make much sense unless you already knew most of this stuff from the comics beforehand. And there just aren't as many Green Lantern fans as there are Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Aquaman even. I don't know, Aquaman and Green Lantern might be about on par when it comes to how many fans there are because he's kind of an outlier from the main trinity you know section so this movie came uh on top of that it had a very heavy over-reliance on cgi kind of cartoony effects which makes sense in the green lantern universe that's how the comic books are i mean they're powered literally by light so it's gonna be light and you know bright and weird and they can literally create any object they can think of with their ring and many times in the comic book yes they are cartoony gimmicky fun kind of things because they can didn't translate all that well on the theater for the time it came out in because in 2011 
big blockbuster superhero movies were starting to shy away from the overly campy, cartoony versions of superheroes for the more gritty, real kind of versions of superheroes. I mean, even the Marvel movies had this more realistic feel to it, and that's what people were kind of expecting from their superhero movies at the time, and even today. So it wasn't horrible. It was just too cartoonish. Uh, Again, the story wasn't perfect. I do, though, believe that if they had stuck with it and bumped into the second movie, which was supposed to be The Rise of Sinestro, we got past all of the weird story world building in that first movie that didn't take. If they'd have gone ahead and done a a number two, done a, a Green Lantern 2, The Rise of Sinestro, I think it would have been phenomenal. I think it would have knocked the socks off the first one. And then if the third one was going to be the Sinestro Corps War, holy cow. Oh. I mean, imagine, imagine a world where people liked Green Lantern. Could have been great. This one hurts. I'm just saying. I'm talking about this one a lot longer than the other one so far because this one hurts me. It hurts me deep down to even have on this list. (sighs) Let's move on. Number 14, Watchmen from 2009. Uh, There's there's a subsection of comic book nerds who really, 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 really love the Watchmen. Um, I don't... (laughs) I don't care for it all that much. I never really have. And so me putting it on this list is not a personal thing. As a movie, I just don't think it's as great as it's been hyped up to be. Now, again, this might me this might be me coming at the Watchmen like non-Green Lantern fans came at Green Lantern. Uh, but look, if if I had to deal with it for Green Lantern, then you have to deal with it for the Watchmen. <laughs> Number thirteen, Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice, the uh, theatrical version, which again. Totally different from the director's cut. Uh, it's a total mess. Uh, it's a total mess that basically makes you hate Superman. Uh, also turns Batman into kind of a crazy person, uh, more so than he is supposed to be anyway. it's It wasn't a great movie. Ben Affleck as Batman, fantastic. Henry Cavill as Superman, fantastic. But that doesn't do anything to save this very bad story that was made even worse by the WB chopping it all into pieces and then giving us this weird disjointed movie that had several strange threads and plot lines just left dangling in the wind. Now, a lot of that was answered by putting those scenes back in, in the director's cut. Um, So that's why this is worse than that one. But uh, uh, just, yeah, skip. Just don't watch this version. That's essentially what I'm saying. If you're going to watch Batman versus Superman, buckle up for the three hour adventure of the director's cut because it makes so much more sense and it paints the heroes in a slightly better light. This one just, nah. It felt like they were trying to do too much too quickly. We needed a dedicated, real Man of Steel 2 before we got to this. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I mean, I can't just, it was bad. 
I wanted it to be so much better than it was, and it was bad. Number 12, The Dark Knight Rises. Just get your tomatoes ready. I get it. Look, of, of the trilogy, of the Dark Knight trilogy, I think all of us would agree this was the worst of the three movies. Tom Hardy as Bane, amazing. Amazing front to back. I love this take on Bane, this kind of more intellectual version of Bane. It was it was fun. But <laughs> this 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 felt like Christopher Nolan taking what he had built in the first two movies and trying to go full bore Hollywood. Just just plot points being crammed into place by sheer force of will, whether or not they make any sense. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, we have the, uh, the nuke on a countdown clock trope. <laughs> it just, no, you know, there, there, there was a lot to love about this movie for sure. And it was a, it was an all right ending for the Batman trilogy. It just, <laughs> the Batman begins trilogy, the dark Knight trilogy, whatever you want to call it. It just, uh, <laughs> it fell, it fell a lot more flat compared to the original two. Um, it was weird to see them try and do basically Batman's full journey in just three movies. And so he's, he's significantly, apparently significantly older and injured at the beginning of this movie. And you know, we see three crises with Batman, essentially, and then he's done being Batman forever, which just didn't, didn't, it felt too short, like a, too short of a, a run as a superhero. Uh, but okay, I guess. Like, it's not bad. And if you're going to watch the first two, you have to watch this one. It's just not great. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, number, uh, what number are we on now? Number 11, Superman 3 from 1983. This, uh, <laughs> I think we can all agree. <laughs> one of the worst superhero movies, one of the worst Superman movies. <laughs> Why? Why did it need to be some sort of strange buddy cop pair up with Richard Pryor? <laughs> I'm still laughing at the premise of this when I first watched it. I first watched it as a kid and uh, I loved Richard Pryor as a kid. And I still, I mean, I still do. Um, you know, I've seen him in a lot of movies uh, that I remember fondly, but this is not one of them. <laughs> Oh, the plot, the the threat, the weird weather satellite causing bad weather. It was just all too much, too much. But uh, we did have that weird scene where Clark Kent fought Superman. So, got that going for it. 
Number 10, Batman and Robin from 1997. Look, this one kind of hurts me to put it on on uh, the list, too, because this is the first uh, DC superhero movie I saw in theaters. And the, the crowd was so packed. It was opening night. I got to go, and I went by myself. Uh, and it was the theater was so packed there was one seat left and it was the very front row all the way on the left so I'm sitting there craning my neck as a kid and if you remember it opens up with the Batman logo covered in ice coming out and then it shatters out of nowhere and I jumped a thousand feet in the air in that theater uh, when that happened because I was so close to it and there was a speaker right above my head but uh, this movie was this movie was fun (laughs) I I still remember it being fun (laughs) but it is rightly hated <laughs> the story, the campiness, the the over the top jokes. It's like a strange mixture of Tim Burton's Batman and the uh, the the old Batman, the 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 Adam West Batman's campiness, uh, amped up for for the nineties. <laughs> Look, I it's it had a killer soundtrack. I still uh, contend to this day. Um, it was just a, it was a bit, it was a bit much. It was a bit much. The puns, the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger ice puns, a bit much. Uma, there's so many puns. This movie was just pun, pun city from all, every character. Every character was just punning it up the whole time. Uh, <laughs> I do think this was maybe the most comic accurate version of Bane, uh, which I, I did like. Um, Uma Thurman. <laughs> I don't know. I never felt like Uma Thurman. I felt like, even when I was a kid, I felt like Uma Thurman was acting as if she didn't actually want to be in the movie. <laughs> Everything's just so over the top that it's, it's, it's bad almost in a good way. You know, it's bad in a way that you want to watch it. <laughs> Number uh, number nine, the losers. Uh, look, this uh, this movie had Chris Evans, Idris Alba, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and Zoe Saldana in it. Like amazing actors that uh, many of whom would conti- continue on. In more superhero movies in the future, <laughs> just not as these characters. Uh, I don't understand how this movie wasn't amazing. Um, it just wasn't. Did, did you even remember it existed? I'm sorry if I had to remind you of that. Speaking of things, I'm sorry to remind you exist. Number eight, Catwoman. Thoroughly horrible. Uh, Still kind of amusing on the same level as Batman and Robin, but it's just, it's, it's, (laughs) it's been swept into the litter box of history for good reason. Just, did you remember it happened? Did you? Or did you try and scrub it out of your brain like I did? Number seven also hurts my heart to put on this list, but it's Man of Steel. Like, it definitely could have been worse, but... 
There's a lot in this movie that just makes it hard to enjoy as a Superman movie. Like comparing it to the Christopher Reeve Superman, even the uh, Brennan Ralph Superman movie, it's it's so it's so bleak. Like Superman's supposed to be you know give you hope. I mean that's what the symbol on the chest is about. And instead we see Superman struggling to be Superman, which is not a story that's not worthy of telling. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's just not, I guess, what we were expecting. Most of the Superman uh, comics that deal with his origin are, are quick to jump into the hope aspect. And this instead saw him letting his father die for no reason. Just because his dad said stop and don't because he was afraid of of having his son reveal himself. You don't do that. You go save your father if you have the ability to. There's no reason to hide yourself in that moment. Consequences be darned. Go do what you have to do. So that at the beginning just kind of set the tone for what's going to be a depressing Superman movie. And so, number one, he lets his father die. And then at the end of the movie, and I know I said no spoilers, but here we go. I got to talk about this. At the end of the movie, he kills Zod. Now, I don't have as big of a problem about this as most people did. Because I saw this, again, as what it was. Superman trying to be Superman. And he's in a situation where, as addressed at the beginning of Superman versus Batman Dawn of Justice... This fight is causing so much destruction and death already. And Zod is basically making the claim that he's not going to stop. And so Superman has to do what he has to do in that moment. And he has to take his life. There's nothing he can do to stop him. They're too evenly matched. And so what he has to do is kill him. And you saw how, how it broke his heart. You saw him scream in his own pain and anger, not at the fact that there was a villain, but at the fact that he had to make that decision to kill him instead of capturing him, sending him back, any of the other options that are usually given to superheroes. He had to make that decision. And that would likely, likely form how he would choose to handle villains moving forward. This was his first official villain as a superhero. And so I don't I don't I don't hate the movie. I just wish <laughs> I just wish it felt more like a Superman movie. And that's kind of the problem I have with a lot of the DC properties lately. Is that they've straight they they stray too far from the comics. I understand DC stuff has always been a bit darker than Marvel stuff, and that's that's a tone that they're definitely sticking with. You watch Titans, you watch Doom Patrol or whatever. It's it's you know dark. But Superman's kind of supposed to be the opposite of that. 
Superman has always been the, the multicolored symbol of hope. And so if you're going to take the time to make a movie about him, which this took forever. I remember waiting on this for years in anticipation. It should have that same hope. As much crap as, as we're going to give Brandon Routh Superman Returns and, you know, the original Superman uh, 3 and 4, at least there was this monochrome of hope to it that made it feel a little bit better. Uh, though some of them might be lower on this list for other reasons, but still good. Well, definitely well acted and not a bad watch. Just not a great one. Number six, Justice League, the Josh or jo Josh. I can't say his name ever. Joss Whedon cut of the Justice League, which is just um, a disaster start to finish try to marvel up the movie a bit and add a lot more humor and brightness to it which uh that's not what we needed at this point i know i was complaining about this with just this last movie with the man of steel but now we have this established universe we can't just suddenly flip the tone <laughs> i mean the fact that this movie existed at all is probably a bad thing because it shouldn't have happened this quickly uh for some reason dc's dc was trying to just jump ahead a whole lot uh just real quick let's just get them all together and try and catch up with marvel and it was a bad idea and i remember i'm okay you might not be able to tell it from this list but i'm, I'm generally very forgiving of bad movies i want to find reasons to like it and I remember seeing this. This has been the dream, man. A Justice League movie? Been the dream since I was a kid. Superman, Batman, The Flash, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg. Where was Green Lantern? I really wanted Green Lantern in there. But anyway, having all those superheroes on screen together, that was the dream. And I remember watching this. And the first thing that made me go, oh, this is going to be bad. Happened really early on. Batman catches one of the, um, I don't even remember what they're called now. One of those little flying dudes, minions uh, of Steppenwolf. And Batman, the, the guy explodes and leaves behind a splatter representing the three mother boxes. <laughs> What? What? How would that even... How would that even happen? How does that make any logical sense? His guts splattered in the shape of three mother boxes and that's supposed to be some sort of driving forward story point that actually helps Batman figure out what's going on? His green blood splatter? How would that even happen? That doesn't make any sense. And I remember seeing that thinking, oh gosh, <laughs> what have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> and, and the less said about, <laughs> about Henry Cowell's CGI mouth, the better. <laughs> Just, 
the unsettling lip jumping. Somebody on YouTube fixed it <laughs> to where it looked 90% better. <laughs> Why didn't you hire the YouTube guy <laughs> to fix the lip? <laughs> oh, oh, it's just so sad. Number five, Steel from 1997. Uh, this is the one that Shaq was in back when Shaq was trying to be an actor. Uh, it was about on par with his other movies like uh, uh, Kazam. <laughs> but this is bad in a fun way, just like uh, Kazam. <laughs> Like, this is one of those movies that's so bad it's really fun to watch. And so if you just come into it knowing it's going to be a bad movie, you wind up enjoying it anyway. It, like, comes around in this weird full circle. Uh, it's it's definitely the fun kind of bad. So uh, comparing it to other DC movies, yeah, it's got to be really low on the list. But it's surprisingly one I'm going to tell you to go watch. Find it somewhere. I'm not sure where it's streaming. Po probably on HBO Max somewhere. Uh go watch it <laughs> number four suicide squad from 2016 uh <laughs> another one that i really wanted to like every, with with every passing dc extended universe movie i've wanted to love it and i've wanted to be the one that writes the ship and this was certainly um an interesting take uh kind of fun in parts i mean of course harley quinn fantastic uh will smith's version of deadshot not not that bad really uh pretty pretty good uh jared leto's joker <laughs> i don't know has potential maybe but this movie didn't really do all that great uh uh, uh yeah so who you know who knows where that character was gonna go uh of course we saw a glimpse of what the future jared leto, leto joker was gonna look like in the snyder cut of Justice League, but um, just, yeah, yeah, it was weird. It was less a movie and more like uh, a, a series of weird fever dreams. <laughs> I mean, it had a good, it had good intentions. It was just weird. The, the, bubbly face villain minions were gross <sighs> I don't know and there's an extended cut version of this too because of course Warner Brothers did what Warner Brothers do and chopped it up a bit but, uh, in this rare instance it doesn't make it any better so what can you do number three 1984's Supergirl a, a female superhero movie in the 80s like this existed uh, and it was just pure garbage <laughs> just a cheese fest from start to finish uh, trying to capitalize on the Christopher Reeve Superman popularity uh, it's just, oof. Uh, uh. <laughs> just no, no this is not the good kind of bad don't watch it it's just forget it. Forget I said anything. If you didn't know it existed, just keep living your life that way. Number two, Jonah Hex. Uh, 
there's not much to say about this movie. I don't really care for Jonah Hex as a comic book character either. It's just, it's a weird carryover from when DC used to do all kinds of different comics and they had Western tales. And for some reason, we just need to keep Jonah Hex going. Um, the, the mouth in the comics is gross enough. Josh Brolin's version in the movie is even worse. Uh, Michael Fassbender also, yeah, just, I mean, good, good actors. Just one of the worst comic book movies of all time. And number one, the worst DC comics movie of all time, Superman four, the quest for peace. Look, uh, in my opinion, Christopher Reeve is still the best Superman, like far and away. But this movie... <laughs> was was a bomb in in the truest sense of the word uh <laughs> it, it was propaganda i mean it was it was a political propaganda piece whether you agreed with it or not you have to agree that that's what this was <laughs> it was very heavy-handed about bombs nuclear bombs uh the nuclear threat which sure, yeah, I guess that would have been enough. We had him in a had Superman in a courtroom. That's fun. Uh, a very badly dated vil villain named Nuclear Man, who had gross long gold fingernails for some reason. Uh, just, I mean, <laughs> it had great intentions <laughs> with what it was trying to do. It just made it so silly and absurd. And Superman throws like a big ball of nuclear weapons out into space, like into the sun and the sun eats them all up. And, and that's great, but you going to do that every year? Cause I'm pretty sure, pretty sure the nations are just going to keep building nuclear weapons. So we just going to keep throwing big balls of nuclear weapons into space. That's going to be your new role now. Superman Just collecting all the nukes. Throwing them into the sun. It's not a comic I'm going to want to read. Just saying. And those were my my 19 worst DC Comics movies. Uh, like I said, some of them were hard to put on the list. That I, I don't want them to be there. Uh, some of them were very, very easy to put on the list. Tell me where I'm wrong. You know, head, head on over to backrowdiscord.com join our discord and hop in the uh, after show chat and let me know where i'm wrong and why this movie that you love should not be on the list <laughs> i i would love to hear it you might even change my mind uh as for tomorrow come back because we're going to talk about the 19 best dc comics movies but right now we're going to take one last break Stick around. What's up, nerd? You digging this podcast? Well, the audio enjoyment doesn't end there. Visit LTNOnAir.com and make LTN Radio your new go-to for the best Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie, as well as our exclusive LTN shows and podcasts, some of which air on the station before they're available anywhere else. Visit LTNOnAir.com to listen now and find the link to our app. Now back to the show. Welcome 
Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. As the show is winding down for the day, I've got your Bible verse for the day. Right here, it's Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. That's going to do it for our show today. Be sure to check out all of what we do online at lovethynerd.com. We've got amazing articles on all things nerdy, as well as this show, LTN Radio, and our other podcasts and videos. If you'd like to directly support our mission and become a financial partner with Love Thy Nerd, and specifically with LTN Radio, then please visit lovethynerd.com slash partner, and you can choose LTN Radio from the drop-down menu. Love Thy Nerd is a qualifying 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax-deductible. And remember that we air first exclusively on LTN Radio, ltnonair.com every Monday through Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 a.m. But if you miss a day or just can't catch the show live, find the Back Row Morning Show podcast version on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Subscribe, rate five stars, and leave a review. Do it, and we'll love you forever. I will be back tomorrow morning with another low-key episode, but our main topic will be the 19 best DC Comics movies of all time. Once again, I'm Radio Matt, and remember, if nobody else tells you, we promise that it's true. Jesus loves you, nerd. Come on.